0: What is up, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Cabrera, the podcasting coach here. In this episode, we're going to talk about protecting our wealth from financial instability because there's a lot of volatility in the marketplace. There is uncertainty at any waking moment. So it's important for us to think about how do we protect our wealth from some of the financial instability that can take place. So our guest who joins us in this episode today, he is the founder and CEO over at Coro. Global, a fintech company that helps you to reimagine your money where gold can be used in everyday transactions as easily as fiat currencies. Our guest has 25 years of experience working at the crossroads of global capital markets and international estate planning. Our guest who joins us in this episode is none other than David Dorr. David, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Mark. Pleasure to be here with you.
0: David, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And I feel like there is a time and place for growth and thinking about how do we grow a portfolio. But there are risks that you have when you are pursuing something like growth or even with something that's a little safer like a blue chip play. So I am wondering what are some of the things that we can do to protect ourselves a little bit from some of the financial instability that can take place really at any moment?
1: Yeah, well, I think something that that speaks to your audience base and something that you're passionate about is is education. So it all starts with having a better understanding with the dynamics of markets, how investments work, and, and better looking at how we live in a very interconnected world. My background, 25 years in capital markets, is focused in global macroeconomics, which is unique because it is a top-down approach. Whereas most investment managers look at things from the bottom up, we take the view of looking at things from the top down. And what you saw last year with COVID and the pandemic is a perfect example of when you think you got a good plan and a good portfolio in place, and then then something large and macro happens and it it knocks you off balance. So I think education, better understanding the way the the world is interconnected is, is deeply useful for everyone.
0: And I really like we're focusing on education right away. I feel like there's a temptation to say, oh, like just buy this stock. Like I do talk about stocks on my YouTube channel, but I usually give some advice in between those buy stock videos. And it's important to understand the principles, right? It's like knowing how to fish for your own fish versus it being given to you. So for your educational background, what were some of the things that best helped you to acquire the knowledge that you have? And where would someone who knows nothing about markets or how to build their wealth or keep it stable, where would we start to build our knowledge?
1: Fantastic question. Um, One of the resources that was tremendously useful for me and is completely free, by the way, was learning Austrian economics. And for anybody that goes to Mises.org, M-I-S-E-S.org, there is just an absolute wealth of free information available there. And what I found useful throughout my career in in educational process, studying Austrian economics in particular, was having a a better grip on how money works. How is it created? How does it come into the, the financial system? How does the Federal Reserve operate? When you start to look at those things, you develop a much different perspective on how you might deploy your capital, how you might save that, what instruments you might save that in. Um, so I find that a great starting place. I encourage everybody to go on there. Again, tons of free information, free books, free resources to start to have a better understanding at really the base level of, of, of what money is and how it works.
0: And I really love that idea. Just build up your knowledge a little bit. Even five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, it really does add up. And money is one of those things where regardless of your walk of life, it is important to know how money works, how it functions, and how you can build it up over time. Now, I know for Toro Global, your focus is making gold like, more easy for people to use, kind of like a fiat currency. Why the emphasis on gold? Because I know there's a lot of other investments to choose from, but um, you, know, you started a whole fintech company revolved around gold, so That's there's right. obviously some reason for that. So I'm wondering, is that something we should be thinking about for our portfolios? And just overall, how do you view the asset?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's key to understand. So the first thing is realizing that gold has served humanity as money for over 5,000 years. So there's a, a really, really fantastic historical role there. And as we we're talking about education and where people can become more familiar with what money is, I definitely would recommend a book to, to you as well as all your, your listeners. There's a book called Gold, The Once and Future Money by Nathan Lewis. Absolutely spectacular book, recommend that everybody read it. And so our focus with Coro is democratizing access to gold so that it can return to its role as money. Now, when we think in terms of portfolios, gold is often looked at merely as as an allocation, putting a couple percentage of one's wealth in precious metals as a portfolio allocation. Our view at Coro is quite different. We believe that instability is rising in fiat currency, which is historically what always happens every single time over 3,800 fiat currencies have existed throughout civilization and not a single one of them has survived. And when they crash, humanity goes back to gold as money. So what we wanted to do was marry that with technology so that you can actually use it in a way that's familiar. You don't want to carry gold around and, and carry a, a kilo bar in your backpack and then trim a couple grams of that off when you're buying something in a store. And so Coral gives you the best of both worlds. You know that you have physical gold titled in your name, but you can transact, send, receive, and exchange with that gold. And the final point, especially with something that I think you're, you're pretty keen on as well, is that Bitcoin has been marketed since the beginning practically as digital gold. This is a completely false narrative. It is not digital gold. There are many things that separate Bitcoin from gold. And we felt that it was the only the responsible thing is to, to put a company out there that helps, helps users understand how you really save and use gold as, as money and that Bitcoin is certainly not that, uh, that path.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I do feel very similar when it comes to cryptocurrencies. I did write an article on Medium just exploring some of my thoughts on why I'm not a big fan of Bitcoin. Um, but, you know, some people like it, some people don't. Um, I think people get into Bitcoin uh, hoping that their investment goes up, which, you right. know, who wouldn't? Uh, sure. But it's, a un- it's supposed to be a unit of exchange. So that's just some of my concerns, um, especially with other cryptocurrencies just spiking out of nowhere. Uh, I feel like we share the same concerns when it comes to cryptocurrencies, but is there anything else that maybe uh, we haven't talked about yet that maybe it's an overlooked concern about cryptocurrencies or do you feel like a lot of them are pretty laid out?
1: Yeah, I mean, your article was great that that you put together. And and I think there's a lot of key things there, you know, from I'll give you just kind of a quick list of of the way that we look at it. First and foremost, the narrative with Bitcoin, it changes to suit the people that are promoting it. So it originally came out as something. It was going to be a medium of exchange, unit of account and a store of value. Now the narrative starts to shift to, oh, well, it's going to be a store of value. Why do they have to shift the narrative? Because transactionally, it doesn't work. 99.9% of all crypto transactions take place off chain. So technologically, it's severely broken. And this is not taking anything away from the, the original design of blockchain. It's just that blockchain has evolved. We use a technology which is called Hashgraph, which is light years better than what all blockchain systems offer to the market. And if we were talking about anything else technologically, like who has the better television, you know, we could compare specs on a brand new television and quickly determine which one actually works better. But people have gotten very religious about cryptocurrency and are completely blinded by what's going on. The other aspect too, that I think people really need to tune into is just the severe level of fraud. The situation with Tether, supposedly $36 billion in reserves right now, which I call BS on, I don't believe that not for a millisecond, I think really shows the the heightened systemic risk in crypto systems, and that really, in our opinion, it's, it's pretty much just a house of cards. So that's a strong opinion. There's a lot of people that don't like hearing that, um, but I challenge them to, to provide evidence, you know, to the contrary.
0: Now, I do want to hit on a very important theme because we were talking about education and just mm-hmm. some of the resources David mentioned earlier, and now we're talking about cryptocurrencies. And David and I, you're listening to us, like you probably know that, uh, you know, we're both not fans of cryptocurrency. Uh, But if you venture not too far from this episode, but on any online source, you'll hear the Bitcoin to $1 million uh, price prediction. Um, But I bring this up along with the education because Mm -hmm. you want to make sure you are learning from the right sources uh, rather than putting yourself in a financial trap, thinking that what you know is right, even though it's wrong. Uh, This isn't me talking about crypto. This is me just talking about like general stuff. So uh, how do we avoid falling into the wrong path when it comes to educating ourselves about building our wealth and protecting our money?
1: I think that starting off with really good critical thinking goes a long way. I, I think that it's vitally important to not just read a news headline. I can't tell you the the number of people that have reached out to us and said, oh, well, I heard that XYZ uh, institution is buying Bitcoin. Doesn't that mean that I should go buy it too? And this is just just completely insane. I mean, if you just spend 30 seconds thinking about that, I wouldn't do anything because JP Morgan or Wells Fargo or any investment bank says so. I mean, we remember the financial crisis in 2008 and 2009, which is not that far in the past. And um, and all these institutions were having to get bailouts left left and right. So you have to do your own thinking. And you have got to really develop your own work thought process. Like, what is it that's attractive? Why? And and pretty much the goal is challenge every narrative. Ours too. Like if you know if you think that you know what I'm saying is, is nonsense, that's totally cool. I, I encourage everybody to to do their own homework. But that's that's if I could sum it up, it would be that: do your own homework. Really independently, do your home, your own homework and see if you come to the exact same conclusion as what you just read, or something completely opposite. And you'll be surprised at how often you'll come to the opposite conclusion um, as to what you see in mainstream media.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, I was was literally thinking JP Morgan because I know that they like, uh, I think it was like a few years ago, the guy called Bitcoin a complete fraud. And now Mm -hmm. they're like on the bandwagon for it. So they could change their opinion very quickly. They got caught with like some... Uh, gold price manipulation very recently like it's laughable if you think that they learned from 08 09 and they're not doing the same exact stuff or very similar stuff they were at that time and critical thinking that's the way to do it i mean an analyst they raise their price target for your favorite stock and like yay uh and then the stock moves because of that but it it doesn't really like the company stays the same it's just based on prospects and Uh, So, I mean, I love what David says, though. Do your critical thinking and know what you want because it's easy to just read a headline or see some analysts or uh, even us saying bad stuff about crypto and just think you have to go in that direction. Like, if you like crypto, you have the bull case and you can meaningfully present that. Go for it. Uh, But David and I are just sharing our thoughts uh, on the subject. And um, on that thought, there are people who like, maybe, you know, a really smart friend who mm-hmm. like, they say something really good, like, you know, crypto is good. Um, yep. How do we stay rooted in our opinion rather than get redirected to another opinion based on what a trusted colleague says?
1: I think that rather than taking a position that becomes combative which is, is far too often the tendency right now. We see that in, in social media, we see it in, in politics. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of Aikido, which is a martial art that you know, blends, blends things together to, to, to change perspective. And I think that it's much more constructive to, to politely ask somebody to explain their position and see if it holds and 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 they should expect the same from your side if you can't rationally present what you're you're saying then probably you need to go back and again do some more of your homework i think that it's also really 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 important for people to kind of dial down the the temperature in these these dialogues. I see so much fighting between people when you could have really fascinating debates. I think there are some really interesting things coming out of crypto. There's some other stuff there that is intriguing, but it gets drowned out in the, in the big, big, big narrative that either you're a, you're a pro-Bitcoin, you're a Bitcoin maximalist, or you're thrown in the other camp and you're a no-coiner. And, you know, unfortunately, life is, is, is not so, uh, you know, two sided there. there. There's many, many, many more nuances in between. And I think we got to seek those nuances to find common ground.
0: Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. Just this idea where you want to hear the other person because like you don't want to be fully bullish on something. You don't. But you want to see the bearish side of the argument, so you know what you're getting yourself into if things go south. What are the warning signs that's you right. look at instead of just being a blind bull? All and right. that's. Just, I mean, knowledge is a big thing that's going to protect you from a really big mishap, or it can help you avoid a really big mishap. And I mean, education's a big part of the battle, and then just comes down to how you set up your portfolio. You go for growth. You go for high risk, high reward. You go from more stable companies, a little bit of a low risk, low reward, but that's definitely up to each individual person based on what their investing goals are.
1: Yeah, and and I would add to that too. I think one of the, the most important things that just completely gets overlooked with building success around managing your own personal wealth is really learning risk management one of the things that we're adamant about so coming up to my career you know managing capital we are absolutely absolutely obsessed with risk management it doesn't matter what your strategy is you might be a global macro guy like us you might be the best technology stock picker you might be the best crypto trader in the world but if you don't understand risk management, that success will be fleeting. You might think that you're very successful, but you're just waiting for the moment that things actually blow you up. Um, so I think that it's very, very important. It's much more sexy to look at investment strategies and, and different exciting themes. Who's gonna build the next, uh, you know, rocket ship that's gonna go to, to Mars or beyond. But it's really way more important to start with a good base of understanding risk management. How do you, how do you position size your investment and your risk. Vital, 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 vital to to understand and learn.
0: And I feel like a lot of people know the ways to increase risk. Like Mm -hmm. you buy a crypto, you buy a tech stock that's like got a price of sales of like a hundred or something, or you buy (laughs) like a SPAC or an EV. Uh, But what are some of the ways that we could decrease risk? What are some of the assets we should look at or strategies?
1: Well, I think the the way that we look at it is is a little bit different. So normally, if you see a a portfolio manager and and he brings you his recommendations for how your portfolio should be constructed. It looks like a big pie chart. Right. Traditional portfolio management, which I think is just complete garbage, will say, OK, well, Mark, what's your age? OK, you're younger. So we're going to put a smaller percentage in bonds and a greater position in growth stocks. And you're going to sit on that and we'll rebalance that every quarter. Blah, blah, blah. Super boring. OK, well, first of all, that doesn't really help you understand any type of embedded risk. And I'm going I'm to share a real example for you. My grandmother, if she bought all U.S. Treasury bonds in the 80s, when interest rates were near 15 percent. And she held that through now, that would have been one of the best investment positions ever of all time, because rates have come down and bonds have gone just completely straight to the moon. So fantastic position. However, with interest rates hovering around 2.3% for 30-year treasuries and 1.5% for uh, 10-year treasuries, if you load it up and put your entire money in a bond portfolio, which is very close to what most traditional managers would recommend for somebody that's in their 70s or 80s, you would be taking an enormous amount of embedded risk there because as rates go up, your bond portfolio is gonna go down. So what do you do, right? This begs the question, what do you do? How do you dial down the risk of your portfolio? You know how to dial it up just by asset class. How do we dial the whole thing down? The real solution here is, is risk positioning. How much of your portfolio equity are you willing to risk on any single position? Doesn't matter if it's a SPAC or if it's a conservative bond and there's very easy formulas for this that that, you know somebody can punch in a calculator and get the answer to and i'm happy to share these with you later and you can share them with your audience i'll give you guys the the math formula for it but in general if you study the success of the top top investors around the world you'll notice that they very rarely risk more than one to two percent of their account portfolio on any given position whether that's a high risk investment or something that's more conservative they actually dial that in later, but really, it's amount at risk. So that's that's what I recommend. People learn how to do, and like I said, I can certainly make some recommendations and give you, your audience a very simple formula to follow that makes that doable.
0: And the big theme here: educate yourself on your own money. Like I don't trust yes. like handing that big of a responsibility to someone else, um, especially when they're just taking a cookie cutter formula where it's that's like right. you know your age and based on how old you are, that's percentage of bonds and stocks. I I don't believe in that formula. I think it's something you got to really understand yourself and then figure out what best works for you. Uh, I'm wondering if you could give us that basic formula right now and then just um, some other places we could follow your work. I know we will have for sure Coro Global uh, in the show notes, but I'm wondering if you could give us that formula uh, and then just some of the uh, places we could find your work.
1: Yeah, so to, to sum it up, I'll give it to you verbally and then, you know, write it out. and you can, Anybody can punch it in an Excel sheet. But let's say that you're going to buy a stock. What you first want to do, let's, let's use a, an imaginary portfolio size of $100,000. And it doesn't matter if it's $100,000, $10,000, or 1000 The formula is exactly the same. And let's say that you want to risk no more than 1% on whatever this investment is that you're looking at. Maybe that's Bitcoin, maybe it's a SPAC, maybe it's something else, right? And so you now know that 1% times 100,000 is gonna give you $1,000, right? So this is the amount of capital at risk. Now, the question then becomes, how big is your position, right? So that's how much you're willing to lose, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the size that you're gonna put on. Now, if you believed that a stock that you were going to invest in was highly risky and it might go to zero, well, then you're going to divide that $1,000 by that stock price and you'll know exactly how many uh, shares to buy. If you think that that stock might only drop by half, and that's the point at which you know that you're completely wrong, then you would take that difference. So you take the stock price minus the stock price. And then a thousand dollars divided by that is going to tell you the number of shares. And what's nice about this is that it perfectly adapts to the volatility and the riskiness of the investment that you're choosing. So if it's a risky investment, you would say, Hey, it could go to zero. If it's a conservative investment, you might say, Hey, look, if it goes down 10%, you know, I'm out because I expected this to be a very conservative play. That allows you to dial in that volatility and you're still, whether that volatility is high, where that volatility is low, guess what? You're still only risking that 1%, $1,000 there. It's as simple as that. That's that's really the magic of the formula right there.
0: Yeah, and I, I love the, uh, again, the simplicity, just knowing how much you want to put in because you don't want to end up 50% of your portfolio leaned into one position. Exactly. Uh, I don't care how conservative or how high growth or how much future potential, 50% of your portfolio in a single company is very dangerous. Correct. Um, but... Again, it's just based on education. You learn from experiences and you learn by doing your research. Coro exactly. Global, I know that's the play, the, your fintech company uh, for people who want to use gold, kind of like a fiat currency, we'll have that linked. Um, do you have any other places you want us to go to keep following all the work you're doing?
1: Yeah, we'd love, uh, love to invite all your, uh, all your listeners to our Coro channel, which is on Telegram. Um, for those that are interested in, in education and understanding the role that gold plays as money, and also getting a little bit of our, our macro lens as far as what's going on in markets, we do an update pretty much daily, Monday through Friday. That channel is completely free and open to the public. Um, so invite any of your, your listeners to, to join us there, and they're welcome to ask questions on there as well. We're pretty attentive to, to anybody uh, responding to
0: us on there. Breakthrough Success listeners, make sure you check out the links in the show notes. David, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you having me, buddy.